Hello and welcome to I Talk to Ghosts, the podcast that will tell you ghost stories by the light of the full moon. I'm your haunted host, Jennifer, a spirit medium and a teller of ghost stories. And tonight I have gathered the creepiest, most chilling ghost stories I could find just for you for Halloween. You'll never feel alone again. After the chills, stay for the spirits. I have a new in-studio spirit reading to share where I meet with my latest podcast guest. And I'll also let you know how to sign up for a chance for your own free medium reading with me. But you may not have to wait. Join me around my seance table and I'll call a spirit close for someone listening tonight. And their message could be for you. But first... The spooky, the creepy, chilling ghost stories are here for you right now. I had a friend who was a nurse who worked at an old folks home. One of her patients was a man in his 80s named Sam, who was rumored to be involved with one of the more infamous crime families. He may have actually been a hitman and had spent many years in prison before being paroled as an elderly man. One night, while assisting a patient, my friend heard the man screaming. She and her patient both turned to look down the hallway outside the room and were horrified to see Sam being dragged down the hallway by two figures dressed all in black. She dropped what she was doing and made a dash into the hallway, but there was no one there. The exit door at the end of the hallway was still closed, locked to the outside, and the alarm was on, but silent. Two other residents who had routinely kept their room doors open at night had also seen the same black-clad figures dragging Sam down the hallway towards the locked door. Running back to Sam's room, she found that he had passed away quietly in his bed and nothing in his room had been disturbed. After that experience, she and the others who had seen what happened were convinced that on that night, they saw Sam's soul being dragged to hell. When I was 18 years old, I lived outside Weston, Idaho with my mother and stepdad. My older sister lived a few miles west of us. Every third Saturday or so, I would drive over to babysit for her and her husband, then stay the night and go home Sunday morning. This one time, I decided to drive home late Saturday night. It was a beautiful summer night, and I wasn't at all tired. 
The road home was desolate. But I've driven it many times, even if driving at night isn't my favorite. I hadn't seen another car all night, which wasn't unusual for 1 a.m. in the middle of nowhere. Suddenly, as I turned a bend, I saw a man standing near the side of the road. As my headlights illuminated him, I noticed he had long white hair and a dirty red blanket over his shoulders. In his hand was a walking stick, but his eyes, they seemed to glow red like deer eyes in the light. I slowed down and as I passed him, he seemed to be snarling at me like a mad dog. I was instantly freaked out and continued on driving a little faster. I knew there were sheep herders in the area and I convinced myself it must have been one of them. I had traveled about half a mile down the road and my heart had calmed down a little bit. As I turned on one of the last turns in the canyon, my headlights shone on another man. As I drove closer, my blood turned to ice as I realized it was the same old man. He had the same dirty red blanket and crazy white hair. He held the same walking stick. As my headlights reached him, he had the same wild, angry snarl across his face. I quickly accelerated past him and headed out of the canyon. I called and woke up my mom and cried for about ten minutes before I could calm down enough to talk. By the time I got home, I was in hysterics. My mom thought it was just someone playing a prank, but I was convinced it was something else. It's been many years and I still will not drive on that road alone. Whatever that was, I believe what I saw. And that it wanted to hurt me. In the late 1970s, a cemetery near Pittsburgh built a new mausoleum. It had been promised for years, and the salesmen, eager to make a lucrative commission, had pre-sold crypts long before they were available. So, many makeshift cement above-ground crypts were quickly built for those who had purchased mausoleum spaces and had passed on before the tomb was built. When the mausoleum was finished, it was the job of the gravediggers to disinter the bodies and place them in their new crypts. It was a disgusting and dirty job, for the liquefied remains of the deceased had leaked out of many of the caskets. To make matters worse for the gravediggers, everybody had to be physically identified by the mortician 
who had originally embalmed the body, and not by clothing or jewelry, to guarantee that the corpse in the casket was the person named on the makeshift crypt. The supervisor remembered each decaying face, for the experience had been burned into his memory, but one in particular stood out. Most of the bodies had long since dried up and become desiccated. If any flesh was left, it was almost like tanned leather hanging off the bony skeleton. Some looked as if they were made out of jello, as the corpse had decomposed into a liquid goo. But one was odd. When they opened the coffin of an old man, it was as if he had just been laid to rest. Except for one disturbing and obvious fact. He was covered with a furry gray-green fungus. All of his flesh had been eaten by this fungus. But it held the shape of his face so well it shocked the superintendent and the undertaker. Except for the odd color and the fleece-like look of his skin, he looked like he might just open his eyes or mouth at any moment. They quickly got over their initial shock and noted that, yes, he was the one who was supposed to be there, and the coffin was moved to the second level in the back of the newly constructed mausoleum. Monday morning, when the maintenance crew came to open up the office, they noticed the mausoleum door was open. As they drew near the open door, they immediately knew something was wrong. Something was smeared on the glass door of the mausoleum, and as they looked inside, they saw that one of the crypts was open, and it was empty. Fearing they had grave robbers, they went to call the police, but as they rounded the corner to head back to the office, they passed by the old makeshift cement crypts. One was open, and it held a casket. It was the casket of the mold man, right back in the place he had been interned for the last five years. To be sure everything was all right and they did not have a grave robber playing a joke, they opened up the coffin. The body was still there and the jewelry he wore had not been taken. They called the police, but there was nothing the police could do but file a vandalism report. The body was placed back in the mausoleum. After they sealed the crypt again, the staff noticed that the smear on the door was the same color as the mold that covered the man. There also seemed to be small pieces of the stuff on the carpet that covered the floor of the crypt to the doorway. 
the body had not looked molested at all, and the casket had shown no visible signs of forced opening, but it was still very disturbing. Two weeks later, it happened again. Everything was the same. The crypt was opened and the casket was found resting in its old spot. Even the smear and the pieces of mold scattered everywhere here and there. But one thing was different this time. It had recently rained and the ground was soft. A single trail of footprints ran from the mausoleum to the makeshift crypt and they were almost erased by the tracks left by the dragged coffin. And it was then that they noticed the handles of the coffin were also smeared with the gray-green mold. It was as if the mold man had somehow come out of the coffin and dragged it back to his original resting place. But that was physically impossible Nevertheless, a close look at the corpse and the fallen mold made everyone present shiver. They were definitely the same material. Once again, the body was laid to rest in the mausoleum, and the funeral director brought in a Catholic clergyman to give last rites and bless the tomb. The mold man stayed put this time. The maintenance crew always gave his crypt special attention. They always feared that one morning they would find it open again and see the evidence of the mold man once again walking the earth. When you work at a cemetery for any length of time and meet others who have lived the life of a gravedigger for years, you hear some strange, and unexplainable stories. And you can only hope that you're not the next one to come in one morning with fear in your eyes and say to the others, you're not going to believe this, but... Hello, my dear spooky friend. Do you have a paranormal experience you would like to share? Submit your ghost stories to be read on this podcast. I love sharing true ghost stories and yours could be among them. Email me your story at speaknow at italktoghost.com. Let's be spooky together. Hello and welcome back to I Talk to Ghosts. My guest this evening is Aurora. Aurora, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you for meeting with me today. I already feel a couple of people coming in for you. And I just love sharing the details and sorting through it. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Now, spirits never come in by themselves, mm -hmm. and there's no priority to it either. I'm feeling a man and a woman, but the woman's holding back a little bit. 
um, and she wants the the man to talk first. Does does this that does that make sense at all? Okay, so it could be multiple people. The mm-hmm. man could either be my dad or my brother, okay. and the woman is probably my sister. Okay, the man. I think this is your dad coming through. He okay. is very steady and solid, and yeah. he wants to comfort you. He is showing me all these comfort things like coffee, dark wood, fireplace. Yeah, he definitely had that vibe. Um, yes. Just a big teddy bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I very much know and get the sense that he was very welcoming. Um, he would much rather have input from you, you know, and and embrace that and bring that in. But when it came to him, he was like, no, 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 the focus is on you, not me necessarily. Um, And he's saying he enjoyed doing things for others uh, rather than focus or talk about himself. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants you to know that he was never trying to shut you out. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Especially... Later in his life, when I was in my teens and stuff, um, it seemed like he just didn't really con- connect, if that makes sense. Yes. His message is that he had his own flaws, and that brought out your vulnerability, and he's really sorry about that because they kind of played off each other a little bit, you know, and any flaw he had had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And it's hard to not take on that personal responsibility for things, you know, but he has that insight now and really wanted to come through with all of this first. Yeah. Um, he's showing me later in life um, and feeling this energy drain from him. Like he procrastinated on something. He was paralyzed to move. He didn't act on something. Does that make sense? It could be relating to how he passed away. He had stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. Um and that was a very rough experience because I ended up being his caretaker a lot of the time because my mom needed to work. Yeah. So I uh, dropped out of school and enrolled online so that I could be there for him. So giving of you. So giving of you with that. I don't know. I I have guilt about it because I was so depressed at the time that I couldn't properly be there. Right, right. But, but he didn't make it easy. That's that's true. <laughs> he didn't make it easy. Yeah. He wanted to live in... He's showing me a bit of denial there and didn't want to address things. He just didn't want to do it. No. And that probably got a little argumentative or... And there's strain on your relationship with that, right? Yeah, he said some not nice things, but yeah. he was going through a really rough time, so I understand. Yeah, I think he just really wants to come through with that and say, you know, things were not perfect, but oh, the love was there, you know, and he 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 hopes that you have forgiveness and understanding for the situation because it really was difficult. And he knows he was honorary. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he knows that he made it hard. But if you can remember at his core that comfort and that teddy bearness like he said, that is his essence that is coming through first. Yeah. And he you know, and he wants to give you that comfort of all of that. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. 
Yeah. Oh, he loves you too. And he's close. He's close to you. He absolutely is. And all of those issues and, and that strife, that is all gone. That is absolutely all gone. I'm so glad because I just I did not want him to be in pain anymore. Oh, no. And so no. that makes me happy. He knows he had denial. He knows that he didn't deal with it well. He knows that you were going through things yourself. And it was just this mix. It was hard. It was heavy. There was a lot going on. And he just wants to extend that. It's okay now. Yep. It's absolutely okay now. You're a very empathetic person, right? Yeah. You can feel things in others. Yeah. And you reach out to other people's energy to see how to react, what the truth is in things. And bringing in all that input, we're not perfect. And you got to take that input with a little bit of a grain of salt and also understand that that doesn't dictate your energy and that you can take that energy and transform it with love and compassion, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful that you can feel others, Mm -hmm. but, you know, don't let that run through you. Um, Go ahead and say, okay, this is a situation How can I pour love into this and change it? So going forward, just focus on feeling your own energy first before any situation comes up and bring that to the table. Bring that to the room. Fill the room with with your love and compassion and energy as you go forward, okay? Okay. Now, there was a woman who is coming through. Um, I am getting a lot of emotion from her. She seemed like a passionate person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is this your sister? Probably, yeah. <laughs> okay. Because she's like showing me vibrant flowers and just passionate energy and just um, a lot of love and brightness towards you. Yeah, that would be my sister. <laughs> Could you catch her maybe doing a little silly dance? I see her kind of... Yeah, that'd be something she does. She would just do silly things like goof off, um, making Snapchats with her friends, you know, mm. stuff like you know, yeah. dancing and stuff. Exactly. Like she showed, like, yeah, we got to move this energy. We got to, you know, if she wants to lend anything to you, it's that vibrantness that, that she had about her. And um, she's just coming in all shiny and silly. And oh, did she have a cat? Uh, no, but um, she worked at a horse ranch and they had a okay. bunch of cats. <laughs> I see her going, mm, you know, like yeah. g- getting all up in their face yep. and be like, oh, you know, it's just. <laughs> yeah, she, she loved animals. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. I, I think she's like sharing that with you a little and like to the point where the cat is like, what is what going on? <laughs> yeah, that would be her. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why she wanted your dad to come in first, right? Because there there was a lot of things to address. And then she's like, all right, is it my turn? I'm coming in with all of this love and all of this energy. And there's, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was also seeing a, a little dog kind of doing this dancey thing with his paws. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Oh, yeah. Um, I just got a new dog, um, like, last year, roughly. 
<laughs> oh, he's the biggest teddy bear. Oh my god. He's adorable and he does stuff like that. He likes to paw at you to get your attention, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, he likes to hop too. Like, I don't know if it's like all four feet off the ground kind of hop thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so adorable. And you're, how you're saying that your sister had this love of animals too. I think she's just like, I approve of this dog so much. Yes, that's actually what I wanted her to say. I was like thinking, please say that you love Bear because I know you would. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Because she's like, because like, I'm like, this dog is with you now. You know, why Why am I being shown the dog? And she's like, the dog is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. I'm so glad she agrees. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Let me see if she has anything else to say. She wants to come with the message of perseverance for you. Mm -hmm. Not only just hang in there, but strive and thrive. Yeah. It's very important. She's bringing up summer. Like summer was, was summer her favorite or just like, there's just this importance and emphasis on. I would say yes, summer, because um that's when, um, uh, the county fair is, and she uh, rode horse <laughs> in the county fair. So yeah. she she really loved that time of year, just the time off to go, you know, uh, go to the horse ranch and do uh -huh. do chores, take care of the horses, then get to ride afterwards. So she really uh -huh. loved. Did she ride western? Yes. <laughs> yep. There's this freedom and power and ruggedness to it. She's like, yeah. The dustier and dirtier, the better. <laughs> yeah, she would come home and her boots would smell like horse, and that's all you could smell, and my mom would get so upset sometimes. <laughs> but she loved that smell. She loved it. So I, I see her, like, sticking that boot in your face. Like, no, smell it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. She wants you to move more. Does that make sense? She's like, get out. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I'm actually studying for the MCAT, which is the medical entrance exams, you know, that you need to get into medical school. Oh, so my. I haven't been outside at all this past month. Uh, mm -hmm. I just haven't really had time. So yeah, she's right. I need to make more time to get outside. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard when you're, when you're mentally focused on something like that. She's like, the last thing you probably want to do is move. You just want to, you know, go sit on the couch, watch TV. But yeah. she's like, no, if you get a little movement in there, it'll probably break things up a little bit for you and, and uh, you'll get your energy back. You'll get your energy back yep. with things. Yeah. Okay. Was there, was there anyone else that you were hoping would come through today? Because they were, they were like front and center, ready to be here for you. Um, so my brother, if okay. possible. Did your brother have a little bit of a sharpness about him? Yeah, um, I guess the best way to describe it is, like, distance. Like, mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't really connect with him. Yeah, well, he was just very in his head instead of in his heart. Yeah, he's saying he, he had emotions. He just really processed them deep down. Like, they didn't, they didn't come out. Yep, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, was he on the spectrum at all? We we thought he m might be. Um, he didn't talk until like three or four. Um, yeah. He had he had a speech therapist for a while. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we figured he might be, but I guess he never got officially diagnosed. But he was smart. Oh yeah. 
He knew how to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Really cerebral guy, very technical. He also just wants to say that he is at rest now. He's showing me this warmth there. I think his personality was a little bit go, go, go. Not in the way that your sister was. No. It was a different different type of go, go, go. Does that yep. make sense? Yeah. He's like, I should have stopped. I should have rested. I should have. Yeah. Um. Yeah, committed suicide. Yeah. I don't know if he had a hard time processing his emotions coupled with his need to go, go, go all the time, but it just... He's saying he had a lot of lack of faith. He had a hard time feeling connected to the world and to the universe. Like he wasn't a part of it. He was outside of it. And and that left him feeling really empty. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He, my mom always, my mom told me this and I could kind of see it. He, it almost felt like he didn't see himself as part of the family, if that makes sense. Mm. Like he didn't feel like he belonged. Yeah, yeah like he was separated. It went farther than that like if you can expand that outward even more mm -hmm. you know to i don't feel my place in the world and yeah. i'm you know and he couldn't reconcile that and i just want to give that to you he doesn't feel that way anymore that's okay good. and he is okay uh he is showing me a lot of warmth and understanding and this childlike knowledge of things i know that's a little bit of a dichotomy mm -hmm. but it's almost like running around like a free kid you know knowing like, the big world has you like you could jump and fall into the hay or jump on the bed and or in the sprinkler and like you're you're part of the world and the world's interacting with you and it, it has the universe has you you know the universe has him i think is what he he wants to say and Anytime there is a, a, an incident of suicide, I think there's a lot of healing on the other side where it's like, we're going to take care of you energetically for a while um, so you can process this. And that is, and I tell you this because that's not a lot of the messaging we get in our culture of things. Yeah. You know? On that note, I'd also like to include an experience I had um, mm -hmm. tied into that Um he came to me the night he did it and mm -hmm. showed me where I was going to find his body and also kind of tried to explain why mm -hmm. in the way he could. I know he's still there because he, he told me that he was and he told me that he had to go. At the time, I was very, very angry. <sighs> but yeah, but I, I understand it because I've been there and it's hard when you get there yeah. to get out. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think he just wants to shine so much light and warmth on you. Being here on this material plane is just so precious and unique. Our lifespans are, are, are fragile and, and small as it is. And anything we can do to just experience and affect and manifest and share your message that I have written down for you mm -hmm. really flows into this nicely. The message I have for you is let your soul be fiercely independent, like just set it free, you know, break free and trust in divine love and wisdom. We get into patterns with things. And when we realize that 
oh my gosh, my thoughts are causing these emotions and my emotions are causing these thoughts. You know, if you can break that and just surrender to, oh my gosh, the wonder of being here, you know, of existing and, you know, having the free will to just, I'm going to go over here and do this. I'm going to go over here and experience this. I'm going to manifest this idea and other people are going to be affected by it. You know, when we can just find that awe and joy of everything and get out of our own head, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and just kind of let it in, you know, Mm -hmm. let it in and trust in that, just that divine love and wisdom of things. And the last part is let your soul sing, you know, your sister's in there too, saying, oh my gosh, just break out of that shell and enjoy, embrace, celebrate and love life because there's always something to love, right? There's always something amazing. And it's what we give our attention and energy to, right? That makes our life. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I need to work on. It's okay if you have to shift your energy and get back to where you want to be. And if you fall backwards, first off, the brain makes patterns and habits that are hard to break out of, Mm -hmm. right? So it has nothing to do with you failing at anything mm-hmm. at all. It's just, oh, I don't know where I am, but I know where I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, and life is messy and it's all about the maintenance, you know? Yep. So it's just like, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up about coming back down here. Yeah. I'm just going to recognize that I'm here and I'm gently going to, okay, what Pull helps me? Yeah. yeah. What helps me get to the spot I want to be in? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been so rich and just so full of love and so many layers and <laughs> like an onion, <laughs> <laughs> like an onion. <laughs> well, before we go, do you have a personal ghost story you'd like to share? Oh yeah. Listener ghost story. So this one happened when I was about 10 years old, so fourth or fifth grade. My friend and I were talking in the bathroom about ghosts because we both liked spooky things. And so we decided to go into separate stalls. Mind you, it's a really small bathroom, only two stalls. You'd be able to hear if anyone entered, you know, that type of thing. And it was only me and my friend, and we both took the two available stalls. And I was in there, and I just turned around, and this black boot appears from under the stall and steps on my foot. Like I could literally feel it step on my foot. And I'm like, I didn't hear anyone enter. And I know my friend is not wearing a black boot. And in fact, she's wearing a white tennis shoe and it wasn't me stepping on my own foot, so. Oh my gosh. And then later that day, I was on the playground, it was recess. And I was going up the ladder up up to the slide to go, you know, slide down, right? And I feel something collide with the back of my back, like really hard. And so I turn around to look at what it was, you know, and I see this rubber ball, like when you'd see um, children play with, bounce back and forth, just bouncing away from me. And I could see that it had the letter letter R for recess on it. And what was really wild was it started disappearing as it was bouncing through the crowd of people behind me. I could see it slowly disappear. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, that was, that's one of my major stories. My other major story happened when I went to a hotel. 
with one of my friends. Um, it's called the Four Seasons Island Resort in um, Pembine, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was nervous about going to sleep because my friend kept telling me how haunted this place was. <laughs> so I was scared, you know, I was shaking. I was like, no. So I was laying on my side, staring out the window. And I see this figure manifest in front of me, and it's translucent, and it's a girl about my age, I was like 12 at the time, with a old-timey, like, early 1900s dress on, and I could see that her hair was braided and that she had black shoes. And the more amazing part of this was I just felt this overwhelming feeling of peace, like... Like, the kind of peace people describe, like, when they're having a near-death experience, that, Mm -hmm. that type of just peace Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I watched her slowly fade away over the course of like a minute and then I turned around laid on my other side just kind of in shock and I see this lady with blonde hair like just just her face kind of appear in the corner of the room and then that faded and morphed into the face of a man with a beard wow yeah but (laughs) yeah but those are my two like I have never, like, those are my wildest experiences. Like, I usually don't see things physically like that, but oh my god, that was amazing. Wow. Those are some spooky stories. And yeah, I think you have, you have a gift for seeing spirits and attracting spirits. And that timing has to be right, right? For them to be <laughs> able to manifest. And oh my gosh, if. Yeah. Your, yeah, your bathroom story is just... <laughs> yeah, it's just wild that they can physically interact with you like that. Kind uh-huh. of scary, but also like, wow, I didn't know it was possible for them to do stuff like that. Right. But I guess I guess it is if you're the right person in the right place. It was crazy. But Absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that you and your friend were telling ghost stories, you were amped up, right? You mm-hmm. had that energy yep. going on, which I think helps every time. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing with me. And again, thank you for the reading. Uh, It's just was super important and moving. And I'm so glad that you reached out and, and we were able to meet. Yeah. Thank you. Would you like a free spirit reading with me and record your reading for the podcast? Sign up for your chance to be selected by visiting italktoghost.com slash guest. And as an added bonus, if you don't want to leave your reading up to chance, I'll let you in on a secret. There's a discount offer to book a private session with me, so you can book a date and time for certain. Visit italktoghost.com guest for more details. I can't wait to meet you. Hello and welcome back to I Talk to Ghosts. I have a message from the spirits this evening, so thank you for being with me at my seance table. Tonight I'm going to be working with Black Moonstone. This crystal is known for properties of intuition, spirituality, protection, magic, spirit purity. So I love to have it close when I'm doing spirit work. Tonight I have with me someone's uncle. He has such warm, vibrant energy. He's showing me that he stepped in for you when the rest of your family weren't really there for you. It's like you understood each other. You were two peas in a pod. He felt more like a father to you than anyone. 
I'm seeing the color red. I think he liked the color red. I also think that he just had a lot of passions in life as well. He's showing me he played guitar. He played tennis. <laughs> he was just an active, fun-loving guy and really encouraged that in you as well. He really still to this day admires your creativity and just like back then he worried about the harshness of the world affecting you. He wants to still lend that encouragement that you are a bright soul and I think that's his message for you tonight that you are wonderful and creative and focus on the right things. Do not let the world tell you what to think because you know, you know in your heart what is right and the things that you could create and share and manifest and the world needs that. It really does. He knows it's been hard. He knows there's been challenges. He says, create some beauty. He knows you have it in you. Okay. I think I'm going to leave it at that. If this message connects for you, I would love to hear. So please reach out. Thank you. Listen to I Talk to Ghosts for an atmospheric chill and to never feel alone knowing the spirits are always around you. The autumn months are the perfect time to share and recommend this podcast to your ghoulish friends. Thank you for supporting the show and sharing the spooky. And with that, dear listener, we've reached the end of this episode of I Talk to Ghosts. I hope you've enjoyed the spirit work I've shared with you this evening, as well as those terrifying ghost stories. Have you ever had a super creepy experience with the paranormal? I would love to hear about it. Have an amazing rest of your October and join me on actual Halloween, October 31st. I have a special treat for you. Until then, wherever you wander off to in this world or the next, just remember, come back and visit with me. Have a lovely evening and good night. <laughs>